Dr. Joe, are you there? I am here. I'm looking at a beautiful day. Black History Month always means a beautiful day to me. But the sun is shining in February, and that's always a good thing. She's in California. Mm, mm, looking mm. at the sunshine on the beach mm. with seagulls Living. and <laughs> and and uh, with a uh, umbrella over her head. Living. Uh huh. Yep, yep, yep. But in any event, um, I am just delighted because we have two representatives from the cultural side of being black, and um, we need to nurture everybody that's in the arts um particularly now when we've got some heavy heavy uh environmental issues that we're dealing with we need something to make us feel important and feel valued and we've got two of the best representatives of the arts world here today and i'm happy to introduce to some and present to others uh phil rainey from the urban jazz coalition i'm their number one groupie (laughs) Uh, and then i have susan susan bradford kunta and although i'm not a good dancer i wish i were but i love to see your dance troupe as well so welcome to the window thank you thank you this is like being on TV today. <laughs> normally, normally we have people on the phone or whatever, but just having you all here makes me feel like um, I'm, you know, we're like on Broadway or something. But in any event, um, let me just start off by saying that um, Black History Month is important, but it really should be every day. But we're taking the authority and the responsibility of celebrating it on the window in ways that we think are important and i think dr joe wants to start off with a question that she thinks is important what is that dr joe i do i do hello to our in-studio guests and in just a moment we will talk about black art and culture in the context of black history month the theme for black history month around the country has to do with health and wellness and so certainly when we trace the roots of our culture from an artistic perspective i think what our speakers have to say today also speaks to what it is we need to do to stay healthy and and well in our spirits but first i am in southern california right now our show is broadcast from columbus ohio and so to those of you who are football fans there's a special significance to that because i am a cincinnati bingo in rams country (laughs) and so that's been particularly challenging for me this this week after the Super Bowl, but I want to ask our guests as we as we start our discussion about the history of arts, what you thought about that Super Bowl halftime show? Um, I Susan, I um, I enjoyed it. I think that it gave um, relevance and gave validity uh, to the hip hop nation and to the hip hopsters of of our of our country, and also saying and exhibiting that um, messages can be uh, delivered in many different forms. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I I loved it. Um, there are some people that maybe aren't hip-hop fans. But, I mean, the hip-hop is an extension of, of black music. Um, if you look at a lot of the music 
that the young folks have produced, they're based on samples of legendary artists mm -hmm. from Motown, James Brown, all such as that. So, so it's a valid art form. There shouldn't even be any discussion about that. Uh, you have some musicians that maybe look down on rappers, oh, they don't play this, they don't play that. Creativity is creativity. And uh, I, I thought it was great. It was, it was good to see um, that, that particular genre of music, you know, uh, get a little exposure. And I, I loved it. And I think everybody ought to have the opportunity to make some money. It shouldn't be reserved for a particular art form. If it's art and people want to see it and hear it, then I don't care what color your skin is. Let you get, you should have a chance to do that, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Well, I will say I, I agree. I, as a, as a parent, as many of our listeners are, I've had some concerns about hip-hop primarily because I personally am not a fan of the use of the N-word in any genre whatsoever because of its historical significance. But I will say that my heart just swelled with pride when I saw those performers take the stage and first realize that anybody who's been around doing what they do for decades gets a big thumbs up from me just in terms of the endurance of what they're doing. I also had to make a confession to people who know me and who don't and I'll confess now to all of our listeners I want to be Mary J. Blige when I grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only because of her art form but because of the story behind her and who she is. And I think for each of those performers, when you read the story, and out here in Southern California, there's been really good commentary about the fact that that Super Bowl performance took place just miles from the neighborhood where some argue rap had its beginnings. And so to, to have those performers on stage telling their story to the world, especially on an NFL stage, given what we've heard about the NFL lately and accusations of the NFL not being as, we'll just say, as equitable and diverse as one would want it to be, I just thought it just was just a tremendous point in our history. And so, um, so I'm excited. I'm excited that that's the way we started our week and that we start this discussion. So Susan, why don't we start with you? Um, Dr. I mentioned your dance background, and we'll talk about that. But before that, I want people to know that here in Central Ohio, you're the executive director of the Lincoln Theater. I'd appreciate it if you talk about the theater, because I'm gonna guess our listeners around the country have some similar institution that's in their region. So tell us what the Lincoln Theater is and its historical significance. Oh, thank you, Dr. Joe. Um, the Lincoln Theater, um, I just have to say, is my joy. Um, the history of the Lincoln is the reason it was originally built and why it was renovated. Um, the visionaries of the Lincoln Theater in 1928 and, and those who renovated in 2009 believed that the Lincoln would be a catalyst uh, for housing and economic and artistic development in the King Lincoln District of Columbus, Ohio. And so even though there was 81 years between both grand openings, the vision has been realized and remains uh, to its purpose and promise of the Lincoln. Um, it was re uh, renovated in 2009 from sitting for 30 years. It actually sat from 1974 to mm. 2009, very dilapidated, 
uh, if we were the three bears, we could huff and puff and blow it down ourselves, <laughs> um, which is the condition that it was in. But our visionaries really thought that the history was worth saving. And so from that, uh, $15 million was, was raised and the building is standing um, in such a sound space right now. Um, and I had the pleasure of being a product of the East Side, growing up here, remembering my time at the Lincoln as a young girl, um, and then being able to come full circle and be that executive director just gives me a love and a joy. And I think for those who have crossed those doors, see see that, because I'm pretty much there at every event um, that you do. But because she's 12 years old now, and I connotate her uh, to a young person that you grow, um, we have made significant strides there. Um, the Lincoln has, the Lincoln Theater has eight signature programs. Four of those programs is specifically about uh, local artist development um, from the very very novice to the very seasoned we have two programs that preserve the past for local creatives um, and we give them honor for who are both deceased and living we have a another program the community conversations that speaks about um, safe places and tolerance of um, resolution and, and conversation about um, our community and what that looks like and then we have our annual gala and this is our largest fundraiser, very different from other galas, um, and we will host, host that this year on April 7th. So the Lincoln Theater is a, is a community partner. Just last night we hosted um, two local artists and we had the Big Brothers Big Sisters come in and do a infomercial mm. to show that they, their need is to come into the community, specifically black communities, and say, hey, we're here. They haven't done that, they recognize that, and here is an effort for them to do that. So that's just one of many uh, community partnerships that we have. We have quite a bit of corporate support and individual support there. Um, so we're in 2018, post-COVID, pre-COVID, we were the most used theater in the city. And now that mm -hmm. our doors are open um, for COVID, we are pretty much on par for that same, for that same number to happen again. Now, Susan, you all had some pretty dramatic COVID restrictions, correct, since you mentioned COVID? Yes, we did. We, um, of course, we had to shut down for um, about two months, March and April of 2020. Um, and then we began to gradually move in as our mandates allowed 15 to 20 people to come in. Um, but what I did on my creative side was kind of stay in front of the eight ball, um, just leverage some dollars to have the health and safety pro procedures and protocols in place. And I hosted uh, eight week summer camp for kids. And so inside that mm -hmm. protocol, we had this camp with no, no cases, no pre-cases, no post-cases. And, and the parents were very, appreciative that and of course the kids was a joy to be able to do something like that then we moved into the fall of 20 and uh, 21 and we became that virtual place where we could virtually record um, events and help them stream them out into the community that helped the Lincoln go national which is one of my goals talk about that the Lincoln going national and by the way before you do let me remind our listeners that if you'd like to send us feedback during the show or questions for our guests, you can do that at our Gmail account, thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. You can reach us before, during, or after the show at thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. Susan, talk about that, going national. Tell us about that aspiration. 
Well, that aspiration um, is is coming from uh, multiple places. Of course, when we first opened up the theater, the former Mayor Coleman, Michael Coleman, said that the opening of those doors will help the Columbus to go national. And when the theater goes national, Columbus will have a, a wider lens across the country. Um, and so in that, um, in that aspiration and inspiration to do that, we have since really, again, push the virtual options for um, streaming to be uh, able to share our, our programs and our artists across the country, um, to be able to do the reach through social media and, and add programming there so that folks who are related to these local artists are able to see their work. Um, and on top of that, I'll just put this cherry on, the, on, the, on, the, on this Sunday, is that um, probably two weeks ago, the Lincoln Theater was awarded National Endowment of the Arts funding Wonderful. for the first time, and so I'm just totally elated with that. And and these 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 small steps have turned into large steps and national steps. That is excellent. Yeah. Can I That's jump in there with one question, Dr. Joe? Sure. Tell me about support from the Black community. Support from the Black community. I'll start with um, Donna and Larry James. Well, that's a good place to start, that's isn't it? Place to start. <laughs> Couldn't start okay. any better. I have to start with Donna and Larry James. Um, they have, their support has been unwavering. Not only was he part of that visionary of the renovation, but he also put his dollars into that building. Used relationships, um, not favors, relationships. Um, that he had cultivated to bring that um, um, instituted new relationships because before I don't I don't want to say as a trend before all of this uh, social justice and awareness have come around he had been doing the work forever for a long time and so when you look at that kind of philanthropy mm -hmm. and you look at that kind of support from a power couple that we don't often see in Columbus. Mm -hmm. um, you have to give reverence and respect to that. Um, from there, of course, his friends are gonna follow suit and then follow suit, follow suit. So we have supporters, Dr. I, um, from that level, and he gave just a very generous gift just a month ago through the Cumulus Foundation. When you look at that level, whether it's 100,000 or $10, right? The passion and the support is the same to see that Lincoln Theater, that community, the black community, the black artists be supported. And so if I only have $10 to give every week mm -hmm. or every time that I come to this program, over the years, those small dollars make big dollars. Mm -hmm. And they support and meet the end to the larger dollars that are coming here. We are the Lincoln Theater, and if you don't mind if I keep going, the Lincoln <laughs> Theater um, building is about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It was built on those premises, right? And so now that we are taking that history and continuing that purpose and that promise, then we can see that the programs of the Lincoln Theater are still adhering to the reason it was built. The Lincoln Theater was built for our other listeners because of segregation. We couldn't go downtown, black folks couldn't go downtown to, to see the jazz greats that came through here. And when they were, they were in the balcony. The Lincoln Theater was built for that reason, so it's set in the community for African Americans to be able to go to the theaters in their communities and not sit in the balcony. 
So it's very, you know, nothing's new in the sun and everything recycles. And so here we are now still dealing with the with that presence of diversity, equity, inclusion, hoping and moving that it's not a fad, but it's a future. So for those of you listening around the country, even though some of the names of the benefactors and the venues and the politicians may not be familiar to you, Susan just delivered a little mini master class <laughs> on how it's done, on how it's done, starting, I think, with persistence. And um, everything from the Super Bowl to our roots on the slave plantation to what Susan is describing as the history of the Lincoln Theater speaks to the persistence of our race in terms of just one aspect of our lives, our art form. Um, Susan, I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to come back to the Lincoln Theater, but I don't want to run out of time okay. in our discussion with you without talking about your own background and, and, in particular, your interest in West African dance. So tell us more about that. Thank you. Oh, we got three minutes. Oh, three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. I thought you were coming back to me. That's okay. the break. No, wait, three no, minutes until I can until do this in three minutes. Break, yeah. Okay. Um, so as far as West African dance and my passion, my life, um, my life calling, I was um, raised up in a very, very culture um, um, household. Um, I have to give props to my mom. Some of you may know her on the listening, but her name is Gwendolyn Gardner. Um, avant-garde during the time that we were growing up, traveling to Africa, maybe 39 of the 52 countries that are there, seeing that come into my house, see the, the museums that she has built in our house from her travels. And so it was there for me. Didn't know that dance would be my vehicle um, for my path, but found out after a trip to Africa and coming back that that's where I wanted to be. So um, Dr. I knows me from those young, mm -hmm. young years that I was there at the YWCA, as you do too, Dr. Joe, mm -hmm. um, and building that program, the African Beginnings Children's Dance Ensemble, and really talked about how we needed to incorporate um, the richness of the African culture into our young people who lived in some of the projects around Columbus and using that as a vehicle for social and personal development. Fast forward. 35 years, Dr. I? I don't know, because I'm years. just turning 25 yeah. next week. So fast forward, 35, 35 years, um, created the Chassan West African Dance Company um, Institute in 2000 with my um, late husband, Abdu Kunta, who was the National Ballet of Senegal's lead musicians, because I wanted authenticity to be a part of their learning. And um, we built this this institute, um, and so not as, not only is it just dance, music, and culture, but now it's education. Now it's a community partner. Now it's uh, building curriculums at universities. Now it's an international partnership with the dance companies in Senegal, West Africa, and and projects in Gambia, West Africa. Now it's a a, co a collaboration and a resource for all things cultural here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we are in our twenty second year. And not only that, but those young people who we groomed um, at uh, through at and through the YWCA are now my directors and my choreographers mm. and my musicians and my teachers and and just have loved the institute as we as I love it. Um, and so we are moving like the Lincoln Theater to a national presence as well. Quick and dirty. <laughs> oh, I just love that. We're going to take a quick break and come back and continue talking talking about the impact and the influence of art and culture 
yes. on the world. Joe, are you there? I am. We are back on the window in this Black History Month, and we believe in shameless plugs. So before we go on, let me remind our listeners also that if they want their friends to hear this great discussion we've had so far and their friends weren't able to listen to us live, you can go to our website, thewindownow.com, thewindownow.com where you can hear the recordings from all of our 50 past shows on the window. And you can also subscribe to various podcast stations to hear us as well. You can also send us feedback now during the show, as well as questions for our guests at our Gmail site, thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. You can reach us before, during, or after the show, because certainly we've had a great discussion here with our guests, starting with Susan Bradford Kunta. And I want to give a plug to to the Lincoln Theater. First to Susan. If you'd like to know more about Susan, you can look her up online. Her first name is S-U-Z-A-N. Her middle name is Bradford. And her last name is K-O-U-N-E-A. You can also look up the Lincoln Theater for which she serves as executive director. Susan, tell us what size the Lincoln Theater is. We didn't mention that in terms of seating capacity during our discussion. Yes, the Lincoln Theater's capacity is 582 um, seats there. We have probably about 8 to 10 seating for our ADA um, requirements. And there's really not a bad seat in the house. And so if you've been listening to our show so far, you've heard about a small theater, relatively speaking, but a very powerful history. And we, we started off our show by talking about our discussion today in the context of black health and wellness which is the national theme of Black History Month this year. And so I personally will say that, especially during the pandemic, Susan, you mentioned the Lincoln Theater's programming being streamed now. There were so many artists and so many venues that streamed their work and initially streamed it at no cost. And that helped me keep my sanity during the pandemic. So, so talk to us about that, just the arts in the context of health and wellness. Yes, um, thank you, Dr. Joe. So I have um, many conversations with the local artists who come through the Lincoln um, just for ideals or just for a hug um, or just to really uh, elevate their art. And I said that art balances the energy of the world. Uh, so in working with these uh, young people, I would like to create opportunities for them every day because uh, it's very important that we tap into our creativity. Um, historically, music, song, dance accompanies a day, um, a day-long labor of like our ancestors. Um, it created coded language for passing of information, but also in the visual and literary arts, it captured the essence of African and African American lives, and it shared stories that were passed down through oral histories, history. Um, so the space or the zone of co- of creativity feeds the soul. It calms and energizes the spirit, and it brings the body, the mind, the body, 
and um, into one spiritual being. So when those are connected and you're in a space that you can create, you know, there's masterpieces that's going to come out of that. It centers ourselves so that we can concentrate on um, the feeling that we have. It moves us into to, um, um, spaces where we're comfortable. So if we find ourselves upset, sometimes we just turn on that favorite music that might mm-hmm. feel that might mm-hmm. be playing for the mm-hmm. gospel circuit yeah. that he just shared Urban with us. And it changes our whole aura. It changes our chi. Mm-hmm. It puts us in this place where we can be in control and comfortable. Mm-hmm. We also know that music, dance, um, that kind of thing is, is healing for uh, quite a bit of people. Um, both differently disabled to to seniors to juniors even kids are just natural in their movement when they hear that um so when we look at that when we look at that ability to create that art and we look at the world and where we are um the lincoln theater opened its doors during COVID so that our artists would have a space and a place to create and to reply and to respond um, to the challenges of the world and also to, you know, how the how they're happy within their art form. Mm-hmm. And so as we talk about wellness, and I, I do have to say that I, I've reached a milestone. Some of you have passed that milestone, but I've reached a milestone on Tuesday for my birthday. Um, and um, I get the, the comments I get back is, oh, you don't look that way. Mm-hmm. But I've been moving in a creative space all my life. And I think that has what's given me my balance. Mm-hmm. And I think that has given me my wellness. Um, because when I need to de-stress, I'm going to a dance floor. When I need to de-stress, I'm moving the furniture back. Mm-hmm. When I'm new, doing these things or, or uh, to, to recenter myself and get me into that place. So wellness and the arts have been with us since the beginning. Mm-hmm. It has cultivated how we um, clean our house. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It has it has, you know, child childhood um, memories remind us, oh, we played that song when we had to clean or we played that song on <laughs> Sunday mornings when, you know, when uh, Eddie Saunders was on uh-huh. BKL, right? Uh, right. Uh, so we all knew that prayer because we knew that that was the beginning of our day mm-hmm. that we were doing nothing and we were centered around family. So so art and wellness is is just totally intertwined and and one supports the other and I think it um if we don't tap into that every day, then we may be off a little bit, a little center. But if we were all go over to just get refueled and replenished and and um, and and just sit immersed in the arts, then wellness can be a part of that. We know that as we're healing from from surgeries, we know we're healing from arthritis, we know that we're healing from um, any mental or physical or emotional. That art has to be in there for. Um, a, a complete if not a high percentage of wellness it's freedom it's freedom it's freedom that goes back to the beginning of time when you feel that you're um, trapped when you feel that you are um, um, unable to reach a goal or someone's in your way um, we've always gone to arts mm-hmm music to to try to 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 open up that window Mm -hmm. and that's what i was just telling dr joe this past week i say this is that we've got to keep doing this show Mm -hmm. because this is oral history what we're doing if we never get a sponsor which i hope we do but our kids and grandkids can go back and listen to the window Mm -hmm. and hear how we were 
offsetting all of the the madness in the world that's going on right now Mm -hmm. we're talking about it but we're not talking about it as if it's going to stop us from moving forward we are going to move forward but we're going to also acknowledge that there have been some barriers Mm -hmm. for us and and we're not going to let that stop us right right. and yeah i totally agree and the arts is in there i mean just like we said before each generation has its own music Mm -hmm. and so as we're as we're moving and making our our um our perspective or or sharing our opinion about you know hip-hop or all these kinds of things then then we know that that generation had their music it wasn't different from rick james it wasn't different (laughs) from you know james brown and all those kind of things but Mm -hmm. it was their outlet it was a it was a platform for messaging Mm -hmm. um and so we have that in music and dance but we also have that in visual arts and literary arts and graffiti and 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 um, digital design and all those areas that in clothing and fashion you see all of that way, a way to express um that whatever that artist is feeling onto mm-hmm. a canvas and that canvas can be um anything that we like it to be and that's the history of black movement if there's been a locked door or there's been a barrier or there's been a rule or a law mm-hmm. um, that has prohibited us from moving forward that was uh, a moment when we were trying to figure out how to get it down Mm -hmm. and it's still going on it it is is. still going on and we are grateful to have people like you um to push that door down in in the world of arts and culture and Mm -hmm. wellness Mm -hmm. i remember in in our in our birthing classes many moons ago for me they told us sing to your baby in the womb and so dr i you talk about art from the beginning even before a, a, a person comes into the world as we know it, we're taught to sing to them to help soothe their spirit and ours. And so, Susan, thank you. We're glad that you're in the studio so you can stay with us for the remainder of our discussion today. We want to be sure to bring back in our second guest. I'm going to let Dr. I formally introduce him, but another thing I love about our culture is this whole six degrees of separation. So, Bill Rainey, I'm going to, to start with an informal introduction to say you probably don't know this, but one of your members, Dwayne, is my son's uncle. So Dwayne is my baby daddy's sister. <laughs> we're, we're all cousins, Dr. Yeah, right. We're all cousins. Yeah, so just my cousin. Okay? <laughs> Funny. So I was pleased to introduce Cousin Phil to okay. our audience. Yeah. <laughs> Cousin Phil is here with Cousin Suzanne, and we are talking to the co-founder of Urban Jazz Coalition, a nationally recognized uh, creative musical group. Not just necessarily jazz, but jazz and Latin music and and there's a little bit of hip hop in there every now and again and R and B and they keep it real. And I've been following them for as long as I've been in Columbus. Um and I won't tell you how long that is, but it's been a long time. How many, <laughs> how many years have you all been singing and dancing well, and going on? God willing, we make it to July the 5th. That'll be our 27th year as a band. <gasps> and I'm 27. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been following us. Uh, ever since I was born. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Joe was talking about, about in birthing classes, yep. you know, playing music uh, to that's the right. world. All of my kids <laughs> had like, Bootsy Collins banging on mama's belly. <laughs> well, not just Bootsy, but okay, a lot of good okay. music. But can I can I say congratulations, kudos to to you, Dr. Iris and Dr. Joe, on 
this wonderful show, this kind of continues the legacy of WVKO, which was always the voice of the community, and now you're that voice. So thank you both for thank what you. you do and the staff, and, and uh, it's just good to be here. Well, you know what, just to tell you how it came to be, Dr. Joe and I have been in the same room many, many times over our career, but um, it started to get complicated in the last couple of years, trying to understand what was going on in the world. Right. New words that I'd never heard of, and I have been to every school almost in the city. <laughs> um, and I would sit there and think, what are they talking about? Uh, um, principles that we grew up on, people were throwing out the door. The good, the golden rule. Some people must never have heard of it, mm -hmm. of the way they were treating each other. And I went to Dr. Joe and I said, "We've got to uh, interpret what's going on for people that don't understand." Because I, for one, don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. There's a different movement right now than it was during the civil rights movement or any of the other ones. And I was able to kind of keep up. But I can't understand it now, and I don't understand why they won't speak in terms that we can understand. So that's how the window came to be. We wanted to interpret what was going on for everyday people. So in case you didn't know what redistricting meant, <laughs> all you had to do was say it has to do with keeping you from voting. Come up with a new name, a new face for something that's been there. Uh, gerrymandering uh, people have uh, different motives now and so that's why we have to keep doing what we're doing because it's not over yet well, thank you for doing what you do yeah, we're, we were, we're gonna, and, we and, and Cousin Phil you, you, you bring up a good point as it relates to our discussion today about black arts and culture again for our listeners who, who might not be familiar with the significance of WVKO in Central Ohio you likely have something similar in your area. WVKO was the AM radio station that we all grew up listening to and, 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 and through the, the business savvy of some of the DJs on WVKO 1580 AM radio. In this day and age, they put their brains and their resources together and turned it into 1580thepraise.com internet radio. Again, speaking to the resilience of what we do as a people including Urban Jazz Coalition. Yes. Uh, Doc, uh, since we, we mentioned WVKO, can I say a belated happy birthday to my great friend. Uh, used to hear him on the radio as Casey Jones' baby, <laughs> Keith Boyd. That's, uh, that's my buddy. I went to school with him at Ohio University and, and love him and just want to say happy birthday, Casey. Well, we're glad that... Um He's having another birthday. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's from God. Yes. You get another year. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what has it taken to, to keep a group like Urban Jazz Coalition together through all the types of historical milestones we're talking about today and that we know have been in our own existence? What has that been like? Well, first of all, I think um, in anything that you do, you have to understand in the world that we live in, things may not uh, always be fair. This is a lesson that I learned from my hero, my father. He told me that, that uh, I don't wanna hear you complaining about life being fair because it's not gonna be fair. The way you make it fair is you work harder, you keep your nose clean, 
you do the right things. And really what it is, you develop trust. You, you, you develop trust between one individual and another, and you do that same thing with everybody that's in your orbit. You show people that this is fair, this is going to benefit all of us. And, uh, you know, I, I structured our LLC that runs uh, our organization and our record company uh, so that everyone would, would benefit. So uh, I, I think trust is the first thing in anything that you do. People have to understand that you can be trusted. You know, as a new band, nobody knows you. You come into a town where you don't know anybody. And, and there are biases that are going to be inherent in anything that you do. Uh, but once somebody sees you over a period of time, work hard, do the right thing, you do it every time, you bring your best every time, your business practices are on point, you're honorable and trustworthy, you can keep it going. But, but it all starts with some basic human principles, and, and that's, you know, you got to treat somebody like you would want to be treated. The golden rule comes back every time. Always, always. So, yeah, it's not easy. There have been obstacles, don't get me wrong. Uh, but but uh, that and God's favor, really. Mm, that's wonderful. That's a good place for us to go to a real quick break. And then, oh, we've got 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> You're from Chillicothe, aren't you? Yes, and a and, uh, uh, great little musical town, in fact, you know. And uh, uh, actually, that's where it started for me. Uh, every Saturday morning, my father would go to visit all of his brothers and at Uncle Freddie's house. And Edna's house, there was a piano, and you weren't supposed to touch Aunt Edna's piano. Well, I would sneak in there now and then, and that's kind of helped me get it started mm, i understand i understand and and every person in my house well every child in my house had to go sit on that piano stool and learn how to play it some of them lasted longer than others mm -hmm. um and i was one of the few it was three of us that went all the way through high school but music was part of the requirement for eating in my house all right so anyway we're going to take the break now we're going to come back and talk about how the urban jazz coalition lasted 27 years on the window For everyone, that is the Urban Jazz Coalition playing in the background. I thank my good brother for, for playing that particular track, too. Uh, I uh, wrote that song uh, many years ago when uh, my uh, youngest sister uh, passed from uh, brain cancer. And uh, Susan was talking about, you know, music being healing and uh I'm going to try to keep it together, but when I think about her and as I sat there and I, I wrote Angels Watching uh, mm -hmm. for my sister, uh, it was therapeutic. Mm -hmm. uh, it it, it, uh, it uh, worked in the, the favor of my wellness to, mm -hmm. to get my head right. So uh, thank you, brother. Appreciate mm -hmm. that. I appreciate it, too. 
speaking of coming together, how did your group come together? How many is it of you all? Ten? Well, the, the, there's probably been maybe 30 over the years. <laughs> <laughs> we have three guys that have been in the group from the very beginning. Hector Maldonado, mm-hmm. who's a good friend of yours, our mm-hmm. percussionist, and Brandon Howard was was a young fella at Capital University at the time that he joined the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the three of us have always been there. Uh, I played uh, I played uh, uh, with Hector in a group uh, called Orion. A um, gentleman by the name of Alan DeCenzo had that group years ago. Group opened up for Kenny G and mm-hmm. a lot of different people. But I knew Hector from from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to California. Was in California for about eight years, uh, working on music out there. Actually uh, uh, managed. Uh, a couple of artists that were on uh, MCA records and uh, but the purpose to be out there was to, to develop the music and I, I developed a uh, uh, a record uh, out there it was the uh, P. Rainey Coalition Reflections was the first record that I did while I was there. Uh, then when we came back, uh, we came back shortly after the Northridge earthquake, uh, which happened on Martin Luther King's uh, birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in uh, 94. And... Um, Within a month, I had the girls back here in Ohio enrolled in school, uh, put uh, mama and baby boy who was born in California on the plane, and then I rolled out to come home on April Fool's Day with the truck <laughs> to, to come back home. But but I had developed uh, some music while I was there. And when I came home, um, I I wanted to to see if I could bounce. Uh, and, and, you know, use that music as a stepping stone. But as I started to, to find musicians, I, I thought about it. I said, I don't really want to chain anybody to this record. So we played some of the music from that record, but we developed kind of the template for what we are uh, today. Uh, uh, you could say smooth, funky. Some people say not so smooth jazz. But, but I mean, uh, you know, I was, I was told a long time ago, uh, you can do one or two things. You can... Try to find out what the people like and try to play what they like or play what you like and you play it so well that the people like it. Mm-hmm. So so things like the Crusaders, uh, Grover Washington, uh, those kind of groups were kind of the template for, for what we did, Weather Report, but to take that, uh, the funk, jazz, R&B, mix it all together we might even throw some rock and roll in there you never know what we mm-hmm, might do mm-hmm. but uh but um it developed out of that first project uh, my record that i did in california car reflections came home and i said i want something that's kind of like this but i don't want to i don't want to close the door on what could happen mm-hmm. so we just let it evolve and become what it is now well it's a little bit of everything it is um, <laughs> Now, how many people are in it now, and who, we, who are they? We have seven people mm-hmm. in the group right now. Mm-hmm. Our drummer is Rico Adams, uh, percussion, Hector Maldonado. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, on keyboards, Brandon Howard. Uh, on saxophone, Richard Randolph. Mm-hmm. Cousin Dwayne Tribune on guitar. And uh, we recently, uh, well, just, just, just this year after we came out of that COVID area, uh, era we uh, added uh, Mr. Doug Neal on that's trombone. That's the blue-eyed soul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's our Daryl Hall, I that's guess right. you can say. That's right. And he sings with a straight face. Oh yeah. He, yeah I mean, he's he, serious. Yo, he. I mean, he can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like Doug has been around black music. You know, mm-hmm. uh, our white brother has been around black music. Mm-hmm. Played with uh, um, 
uh, my good friend Rodney Sutton in conspiracy for mm-hmm. years, and he uh, uh, is a teacher at, at Otterbein as well. But he he really has lifted us and given us some some new stuff. So he, he's a, a great addition to the group. And it's a great time to do that with all of this civil unrest for you all to take that step and demonstrate that you can get along with anybody if you really want to. Right. Well, I mean, I, I was always that way anyway. Like I said, I, I told you my dad said, don't worry about fairness. Uh, I think I mentioned there's a, a certain amount of, of uh, bias that you have to deal with in anything that you do, but those principles of working hard, doing things the right way, and developing trust. It doesn't matter whether you you black or, or white. If you trust me and I trust you, we can do some things. Absolutely. You know, if, if, if you have seen me time and time again come and bring what I said I was going to bring and do it as best as I can mm-hmm. do, then you learn to believe that, well, if you're dealing with Phil Rainey, he's going to bring his best to mm-hmm. you. So it's about trust. And integrity. And that's what you all have as well. Dr. Joe, you have a question for Mr. Phil? Yeah, I do, Phil. So you've spoken, of course, about the the artistic aspects of your group, but you've said some things that that speak to me of the business side of what you're doing. How did you learn that? And by the way, we we started this show by talking about the Super Bowl. I'll just pick out one of those performers. Dr. Dre is a gazillionaire, (laughs) not only (laughs) based on his role as a performer, but his other business interests as well. How did you learn the business side of what you do and what lessons can you share with with those who are just starting in the business of performing well i learned that you don't wait for somebody else uh to do it for you uh, um having played music for a long time and and watched how the music business has evolved uh when i first started recording we were putting out 45s Okay, and and uh, you can't find a 45. You can't find an an album. Uh, you can't find an eight track or a cassette. CDs. People our, our age group are the only ones that still have CDs. Mm-hmm. Everything is streaming now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even get somebody to download a song. You know, you can get a download for uh, uh, 99 cents. Uh, you can stream the same thing for like point oh oh seven cents. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, I learned early on that that you if you want to do music if you want to do dance any type of art form it is a business and so when i was in school i studied accounting i i studied marketing mm-hmm. i studied management i studied business law uh, so i have a, a business background mm-hmm. and i just applied that to what it was that that i was doing i didn't wait around for someone to sign me to a label I created my own label, Excellent. and 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 uh, that's the way we've always done it. And now I have people come and tell me, he said, you were ahead of the curve. See, because now everybody that was on a label is starting their own label. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I did that out of necessity. I didn't want to wait for somebody to sign me. I said, I know how to put this out myself. So I studied, you know, your licensing, you know, the, the things that you have to do with your publishing and copywriting, uh, uh, the delivery system, um, everything that was involved in the business of music. If I didn't know it, which I didn't know a lot, but I kind of thought I knew it. And, and I did the study and I found out, okay, yeah, you do know what you're doing. You can do this. And uh, so, so you can't treat it 
just as an art that that's for your soul um you have to treat it as a as a business uh, that's for your wallet mm, I understand. <laughs> and that goes with the nonprofit that's world right. too that's uh-huh. right and just as uh, phil was saying and i i um was listening and, and was pulled to say hey i need you to come over and talk to my artists at the lincoln mm-hmm. because our incubation program is in its uh, ninth year mm-hmm. and it's about the business of the artistry so many of our artists come in through a vetted process 15 for over a year program and learn the business of artistries in those categories that you just spoke of mm-hmm. and we have mentor talks with folks who have done the work and who are coming back to share with these artists so like you said they understand their art they can do with their art, eyes mm-hmm. closed but the business part of it they need their eyes right. open ears open if they want that wallet to expand well i will dig up my old catalog from a, a, a course that i used to teach on the business of music and you call me and i'll come I over will. there yeah I will. tell I them will. a little I bit appreciate i appreciate it appreciate <laughs> it appreciate it yeah and and not only about the internal workings of a music-based organization, the environment has changed oh, yeah. that you have to operate mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more restrictions. There's a lot more competition. Mm-hmm. And don't even mention the technical aspects mm-hmm. of, of creating a music business. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach at different universities and it's more about understanding how to manipulate those applications Mm -hmm. than it is to actually get words across Mm -hmm. to the to the students so that certainly impacted um, the music world because people there's dishonest people in music too oh yeah it it can be as dirty as boxing (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so where are we going with go go ahead dr joe no, please go ahead and talk about where we're going with the with the future. I would assume. I was yeah. I was going to say where are we going with with black music and the future. Now we're all seasoned um, uh, citizens on this earth, and one of our seasoned citizens, Mr. Dwayne over there, just told me I got three minutes to try to give you this deep question. <laughs> where is it going? We all have children. Some of us have grandchildren. Where's it going? Are you concerned about our kids having the opportunity to create and be um, participants in the music world given all of the, the I don't know, the movements going on in the environment? Well, I, I'm encouraged because I, uh, I see, and you look at YouTube, you see young kids that are, are learning to play or actually know how to play maybe play better than what you play and nobody knows who they are but but i'm encouraged because i see folks trying to learn to play instruments and excel on instruments again um so i i don't know um you can't change the world but i i think the impact of of black music is always going to to have a positive impact and and I'll, I'll tell you why you can go to the Seabreeze Jazz Festival that I've played seven eight times and you can go there and you can find somebody who politically is on the opposite end of the spectrum of you mm-hmm. may not even speak to you uh, on the street but you take that ultra ultra conservative person that maybe isn't going to be friendly to african-american causes you you put them in the sunshine 
put a, a Tommy Bahama shirt on, mm -hmm. a Panama hat, mm -hmm. give them some wine and cheese, mm -hmm. and somebody play something that sound like Motown uh -huh. and everybody's good. That's right. So, so music brings people together and I think we just have to encourage young people because we're not going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, it, it's fun to see uh, somebody like, say, Bruno Mars and Anderson Park, Silk Sonic go back and, mm -hmm. and make records that sound like the Delphonics and mm -hmm. the Stylistics mm -hmm. and all Sty those Tom right. Bell, Gamble and Huff mm -hmm. creations. Mm -hmm. So, so, and that that's the music that speaks to us. And I see it speaking to young people too. I see young people talking about, you know, I said, Dad, have, have you heard of this right here? Yeah, boy, I heard of that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I worry, though, about, I don't think they have music as a class in elementary school anymore, mm -hmm. do they? Well, I think that, you know, as the a, as a, uh, curriculum was were being moved around, arts was taken out of the schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I can hold that thought. No, I, keep going. Keep going. Okay, so um, I think, like, what Phil is saying is we when we have opportunities to groom artistic youth and find help them to tap into what uh, their creative sides is that is part of the growth and the continuation you guys it, are doing that yes you're yes. doing that and so as that is happening you're, you're seeing that that generational moving they're going to do it differently as they should true but for us there's nothing new under the sun <laughs> so but it's new for them and so we can keep it fresh and new for them mm -hmm. and and then keep be that push to push them through to create their own work and to trade then we have that hope we have that continued artistic um, inspiration and guidance for them. And we, we can say, okay, what we poured into them, we'll be able to see some investment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the and arts... Black music is... I'm sorry? I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say at the end of the show, black music is American music. It wasn't just people of color commenting about the Super Bowl when that beat dropped and what they did. Mm -hmm. Those were white folks, too. This is America. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm so sorry, Susan. No, no, you're right. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. And, 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 and um, the arts and all its genres is the universal language. Mm -hmm. It is. Susan Bradford Kunta of the Lincoln Theater in Columbus, Ohio, and West African Dance Diva, and Phil Rainey from Urban Jazz Coalition. Look them up online, too, if you want to hear more of their music. Thank you so much for gracing us today with our discussion of Black Arts and Culture and Black History Month on the window. We loved it. Thank you. I don't want you all to leave. I just want to keep talking about it, but we can't. <laughs> but listen, thank you all for listening to The Window today. Um, we've got one more Saturday that we're going to talk about uh, Black uh, History Month. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop talking about it. We're just going to emphasize it. Um, and we are so glad that you joined us on The Window. And we hope to, to uh, join you next Saturday when we come back with a new topic. Oh, you got to Yeah, one thing. Or on our website, thewindownow.com, you can catch all 50 shows from the past year including this one today. One shameless plug for the Lincoln Theater. Our gala is April 7th. We have R&B vocalist Mesa Leaks along with Bobby Floyd and three of our oh. divas from the Lincoln Incubation Program. Join us. Wonderful. Do you have a plug? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Urban Jazz Coalition does the Sly Stone tribute on Saturday, March the 19th at Natalie's 
Grand I will be there in the front row. Got some good stuff coming up. Going to open up for Boney James later in the year. Starting to travel again. So I'm, I'm thankful to God for the opportunities to, to continue thank to you, perform. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Uh, yeah, thank you both. Thank you so much. God bless all of you all. We'll be back next Saturday on The Window.